Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Andre Demise. What's up? Desmond Cole. Hey, yo. So you're the guys. Woo-wee. Yeah, we're the guys. You are the hosts of the upcoming unnamed Canada Land political podcast. What are we calling this thing? The show is called Canada Land Commons. I like it. Yeah. It's about talking about politics in a way that hopefully can include all of us and is talking about all of us. Desmond Cole, tell the people who you are, what you do. I'm a freelance journalist and I have my own radio show on News Talk 1010. Andre, you? My name is Andre Demise. I'm a freelance writer and the new host of Canada Land Commons. Hey, you're a co-host. Oh. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> you want to do that again? <laughs> <laughs> my name is Andre Demise. I am the host of Canada Land Commons. <laughs> There's also another guy who's on the show occasionally. His name is Desmond Cole, but you don't really need to know much about him. <laughs> Welcome back to Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Melanie F. Bertello, Janine Marchessault, Aaron Ekman, Josh Long, Margaret Eaton, Sonia Brennan, Mark Quick, Mary Lynn, Andre Mondou, and Zach Bishop. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks, the original sponsor of Canada Land. I use FreshBooks for cloud accounting. Desmond, you're a freelancer? I am. Andre? Yep, I use FreshBooks myself. I have to, I know I come from a financial background, but I also do a lot of freelance writing and I use FreshBooks for my invoicing. This comes up naturally in a way that everyone will think is scripted. When I have people on, I bring it up and my guests say, yeah, I use it too. I don't, I didn't, we, have, we haven't been through this before, right? This is. I'm just not saying anything because I haven't got my money from you yet. <laughs> <laughs> Evan Bergstra also uses FreshBooks. He is a photographer. Here's what he has to say about it. I use FreshBooks because it keeps everything simple. Um, I really like that I can share an invoice with a client 
and then has a client immediately provided with several channels through which they can make payments. Sometimes, you know, if they're on the ball and they prefer PayPal or they like Stripe, I can get a payment from an invoice, you know, same day. If you send invoices in the course of doing business, whether you're a freelancer or a small business owner, try out FreshBooks for free for 30 days when you go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. Tell them who sent you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. All right, let's get right into it. We're going to talk about the show first. What's your ambition for this show, Desmond? You know, I I have so many, but the big thing I'm really hoping is talking about uh, politics, which is a terrible word and has so many negative connotations, um, talking about it in a positive and creative and open way, expanding the definition of what politics means and what our country is. Because I don't think it's right to have fixed notions of what Canada is and how it works. I think the whole point of the show is to learn and to explore together. The, the thing that always irked me about Canadian federal politics is its inaccessibility. Even if you grow up in Canada, it's hard to understand how all of this stuff even works. And as somebody who's lived in both Canada and the United States, I find the American political conversation much more accessible. Even if politics themselves are not, for the average American, I at least think that people can get into the conversation wars in Canada. I, I don't think that's the case. I'm, your job is to act as my proxy. I should know more about Canadian politics than I do. And... I got a lot of interest when I put out the call for hosts for the show. And a lot of people were very quick to make a display of their expertise, of their mastery of political jargon and Canadian political processes and their historical knowledge of, of the parties and candidates. And none of that it grabbed me. What I wanted was somebody who, like me, could approach this and say, what does this mean? This is your show. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think about it every week, but this is your show. And your job is is to tell me 
what's going on and why I should care about it and to tell everybody listening. That. I mean, you know, I'm not an expert either. I don't. So what I do is I follow a lot of media, which yeah. is not the same as following Canadian politics. It's about following what people say about Canadian politics. It's not the same thing. So I'm not an expert either, but I do have a strong desire uh, to break out of the kinds of molds that I think Andre is talking about. You know what I mean? And the thing about it is that people who can display a great amount of knowledge and expertise on this and who can talk really in depth about um, the actual mechanisms of our political structures as they exist today and all the players, the key personalities, that's always going to be needed. Right. And some of the people that I follow are exactly those folks who are doing that work. I just think that with this program, what we're going to try and do is we're going to slow it down a little bit for people. We're, I, people say dumb it down. Right. And I think that that's probably yeah. offensive and not the right way of looking at it. Maybe a better way of looking at it is not just assuming that, like I said, you know, the, the PMO is out there and because they're there and someone created it, we can trust it and don't need to ask any more questions. What the hell is it? Why do we have a head of state and then a prime minister and then a parliament and then a governor general? Why? Who do those things serve? Um, who does politics in Canada not serve? What about all of the people in this country who are like, no, I'm not actually a Canadian. I have another heritage. I have another set of traditions. How do they fit into Canada? Yeah. These are the kind of questions that I think it would be fun and important to explore rather than just delving into the political dramas of the day that for the most part you really need to have been following closely along in order to get to. And the media does a terrible job, if you haven't been uh, following along the whole time, of getting you to a On place board, where you yeah. can actually follow all that stuff. That's it. That that tone of wonky insider law, that, that political discussion tone is why nobody follows this stuff. Guys, I couldn't be more excited. Canada Land Commons, it's going to start early May. How, how close are we getting there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can subscribe right now. On there you go. I the like RSS that. feed is live, and we've, we've put a little something there if you want to hear a bit more about this show. Desmond and Andre have recorded something that'll tell you a little bit more. Canada Land Commons coming soon. The largest student protest to date is expected to get underway today at 1 o'clock. While over 100,000 students will be on strike all day. It's the biggest day of opposition since 2012. Tens of thousands of people took to the streets of Montreal to protest the province's so-called austerity measures. They came to join the march in the hundreds, waiting at Square Victoria, some left-wing politicians and police, keeping an eye on the situation. What was it? Were they, were they hundreds? Were they thousands? Like the numbers, guys, are all over the map. Let's just run through it here. Uh, okay, so TVA, the Montreal TV news station, they said there's between 25 and 30,000 protesters came uh, the, uh, to protest austerity for the student strike. Uh, Journal de Montréal, uh, in, in two different articles, they said at least 30,000 people. Then they said 30,000 people. Then they said more than 30,000 people. La Presse said several thousand. The Gazette said thousands. But then you've got CJAD, the uh, English language radio station Montreal, saying a large throng of people. And then the organizers themselves said, oh, well, there were 75,000 people at these protests. And that was repeated, that was reported uh, by Ricochet, the independent news organization. Now, of course, I think Ricochet owes its crowdfunded existence in large part to the casseroles, to the student movement years ago. So I think that they're going to say what the organizers say. And maybe that's accurate, maybe not. I don't know what methodology is used. It's very difficult to tell how many people. Does it matter? Like, I saw the video. There were a shit ton. There were a shit ton of students. I think, I think one of the reasons why it does matter 
is that uh, there were also a shit ton, as you say, very good terminology, um, three years ago um, during the so-called uh, Maple Spring, when so many students were protesting tuition fees in Quebec, there were so many uh, people, I think at some points there were hundreds of thousands of people out in the streets in multiple cities and they were you know protesting along with students over this issue of tuition fees and that was pretty um impressive and so i think that a lot of people are looking at this now 3 years later and the movement has expanded beyond talking about tuition fees to really talking about austerity in general in Quebec. And so there's a desire to see like how much of the momentum have they kept on, how many people are interested when it's less focused and more about this broader scope of issues. I get that. I, I Here's the thing. I really want to be on board with them because I, I, I'm somebody who's not a fan of austerity measures. As a matter of fact, um, if I remember correctly, um, Christine Lagarde, who's the head of the IMF, came out recently and she said that, you know, uh, in, implementing such harsh austerity measures in Greece was a big mistake. And in sentiment, I agree with those students. I, I really am not a fan of austerity. On the other hand, the the part of me that it, it's that can't get along with this is the fact that they're stopping other students from getting to class. So it's one thing if you're protesting your tuition fees going up, which I can 100% get behind. And as a matter of fact, I'm really sick of um, Canadian journalists and, and opinion makers who say, oh, well, you know, suck it up, kids. You know, education costs money and you're not going to get a free education here. And look, shut the hell up. When you were young, you were able to work a summer job and pay your tuition and your books and everything else. It, it's not the same well, environment that you grew up in. And what the degree was worth was exponentially Exactly. Worth. So you know, your, your education back when you got your education is completely different than the educational environment now. But when you expand that into more broad measures, then take your fight down to the Quebec Parliament. Talk to your local MNA. But don't stop students from going to class because you're trying to enforce the solidarity. Look, if I paid my tuition, and I don't agree with the, what the government's saying, but I still want to be able to go off and get my education. You're blocking my way to class? Yeah. You're about to catch a fade, son. Like, are you going to, unless you pay me back my tuition fees, me and you are going to fight. Yeah. I got to know. I just got to know. Uh, how Did you feel the same way about Toronto and York? Uh, you know what? Um, where it comes to the TAs, that's a bit of a different. We're talking story. about we're talking about the TAs yeah. and, and the and the uh, the adjunct One, professors, the sessional professors striking for everybody not in uh, Ontario. Right, that's what we're talking about. Before we figure out whether we're on their side or not, let's just try to figure out what exactly is going on. You bring up how, how popular the casserole Maple Spring protests were. They weren't just popular. It wasn't just the thousands of people came out. They come out every week. And I went to Montreal on unrelated matters. Went back to the city that I love, where I lived for ten years, Montreal, and I was amazed to see the widespread support this had every week. And I thought to myself, if this was happening in Toronto, and I mean, I'm going to, you know, cast aspersions of Toronto centrism, which I'm totally guilty of myself. But if this was happening in Toronto, if thousands of young people were taking to the streets every weekend in Toronto, it, it would get a lot more attention and a lot different attention. Because instead what we get, we get the the, the kind of uh, conflicting arguments about the numbers. And then we get this, I just want to read you this. This was, this was from How the Globe you know, like so, what the Globe picked up a Canadian press story about, you know, when you've got that many people out there, somebody's going to smash a window or something. So we get that. Oh yeah, this is not a peaceful protest entirely. So that you can count on that. Every time there'll be something you can report on, and that becomes the focus. And then we get the opinion piece. Okay, so tensions within the student movement. Uh, I'm quoting from a, a number of different Globe pieces here. Charismatic student leadership has been lacking. Critiquing the level of charisma in the leaderships. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Challenging the existing order is a right of adulthood and an initiation into democracy. But there's no public sympathy for the striking students 
who are roundly ridiculed for their lack of focus. This is just an excuse to skip classes, says Globe and Mail. And, and really, who's behind it? An anarchist fringe. There is this sneering patronizing. That like a, that's a paint-by-numbers description of uh, center-right and right-wing journalism where it comes to any kind of protest. They always say the exact same thing, that there's no focus, there's a lack of charisma, there's a lack of leadership. It's being supported by these this anarchist or these extremist elements. Like, I, we heard... The exact same thing for Idle No More. We heard yeah. the same thing where it came to Black Lake. We always, we're always going to hear this. And the other thing we hear is like, what are they really complaining about? They've already got the lowest tuition rates in the country. And I just want to point this out. I mean, this is a strike, right? When we're not lambasting young people for not being engaged politically, yeah. right? So here they are actually taking to the streets and we treat them differently than we would any other special interest. Any other union, you know, you don't say – or when uh, when there's corporate lobbying, that they want to have a certain kind of tax concession or, or corporate welfare. They say, oh, you already get so much corporate welfare. Why are you lobbying for 1% more? We accept that everybody else, be you uh, a corporate lobby group or a special interest – you're going to fight for every concession. You're going to fight for every privilege. If the Canadian pension plan was scaled back minutely, there, then there are special interest groups. Their job is to make that not happen. These students have every right to say no hikes whatsoever. That's well, our interest. Our I interest mean, is hurt by this. It's almost like the, uh, the you know, the Martin Luther uh, King quote, a riot is the uh, the voice of the unheard. And the, when you're when you're a large corporation, when you are a boomer, when you when you make up either a significant financial or voting block, you don't have to take to the streets necessarily to make your voice heard. You just get a bunch of people together and you head down to your local, I guess, uh, legislative assembly and you talk to your your MP or your MLA face to face. Where it comes to students, where it comes to marginalized groups, the only thing that you really can do is make a ruckus. Just to go back to the actual coverage itself, um, CBC and uh, Radio Canada have done an excellent job of covering the nuance. Mm -hmm. So they've followed um, the internal disputes within the student movement as they try to decide exactly how they're going to carry these strikes out. They've also followed, and I think that this is critical, you can't actually understand what's going on in the streets of Quebec right now unless you understand the budget that's just been proposed and brought forward in Quebec. And exactly, you know, Andre, you're talking about austerity. So what exactly is being proposed in that budget? And CBC has done an excellent job of, of kind of cataloging that also and showing, for example, that in health and education, you know, you have inflation every year. So the cost of providing health, the cost of providing education, it's going up. And what the government's basically done with their budget is said, we're going to budget to not catch up with inflation. So we're not really cutting anything. You can't mm -hmm. accuse us of making a cut. But we just won't keep up with the added pressures on these services. And that's what's gotten folks so angry. There's some good things in, in the Quebec budget. You know, I was reviewing a whole bunch of it today. But that's the part that people are getting really frustrated about. And it's interesting to see students who were before just complaining narrowly about tuition actually taking this fight to the larger level and talking about the economy and the Quebec uh, uh, budgeting process in general. So I think CBC's done a great job and Radio Canada have. Montreal uh, Gazette has also, La Presse, have done very good work. But then you do see, like, you know, the CTVs that come. And when it filters and, to the national stage and the, and, yeah, and the, the national yeah. pundits, so, there's just this, like... 
Like, yeah. like a little, a little well, insect being flicked away. Well, there's away. a couple of things that happen, right? So one of them is that, you know, uh, I saw a CTV story where they said uh, of the recent mass protest that it was mostly peaceful. However, they used a video uh, that I did not click on, but it had a police officer or a line of police officers in riot gear. So that's the narrative that they're telling you, even as they say that the protests were peaceful. And there's a lot inside that news story about how police uh, and protesters were trying to negotiate how they're... People were worried about violence, so that and sometimes a police officer who fired a tear gas well, grenade directly into a protester's face. That's I mean, always going to make really the news. That that's always going to make the news. But you also have, you know, you guys were talking about some of the attitudes that people bring towards students when they try to raise these kind of issues. And I saw a piece by Graham Hamilton in the National Post, and it was interesting. He kind of had that very similar kind of derisive, "What do they expect to accomplish? What are their demands?" kind of attitude about this whole thing. Some students actually say that not having a narrow demand like they did last time has actually helped their movement. That remains to be seen. But I did think it was interesting that Graham Hamilton kind of basically ended off his comment on what's been happening and what's the strife within the leadership in the student movement by saying, look, if these kids, you know, if they wanted to protest, they could be out in the street for weeks or months. Like they could be planning protests for years to come. And that seems to me to kind of brush off the desperate economic situation that all of us in this world seem to be facing right now. Bro, you're gonna have protests in the street for years to come if this continues. If the only thing I've got is a, a news about 1,300 new jobs at Walmart, bro, I'm going out in the street and I'm probably gonna <laughs> drag you out there with me over time because that's no way to live. Yeah, in some ways I'm jealous of um, the ability of students in, in Quebec very specifically, to just like pull together a protest and get out there. I'm not saying that we don't do this here in Toronto or elsewhere in Canada, but I think some of us in the non-French speaking world tend to write this off as, you know, they're, that's just the way that they operate. And we sort of wall that off from the rest of Canada. But I think that we we just don't have that level of fervor to demand from our elected officials that, no, actually, you know, this province is here for all of us, whether you're a student, whether you're somebody who just came to this country, no matter, you know, where you are in your economic station in life, your job is to provide for all of us. And I just, I don't see it happening in Canada to the extent that I do in Quebec. And I really take my hat off to them. Okay, on the website right now, canadalandshow.com. If you're curious about that wild disparity in numbers that the press has been reporting, how many people actually showed up in Montreal to these protests, Jake Bleberg has actually taken a close look at it. And, and what he's discovered is that it's actually incredibly difficult to put your finger on how many people show up at these protests. Uh, and you can read a bit more about that on the site. We also have a follow-up post to what we reported earlier about a documentary on volunteerism, CBC documentary that got pulled at the last minute. It has since been re-edited, reworked, and broadcast. And those changes to the documentary, uh, particularly changes involving the Kielbergers, Craig and Mark Kielberger and their organizations, uh, are raising some new questions. And uh, and we spoke to somebody who has some big problems with, with how those changes reflected her views. Check it out on the website, CanadaLandShow.com. Today, our Fido-exclusive Vice News world premiere, Shane Smith and Justin Trudeau in Ottawa talking about the new controversial anti-terror bill. Is the end result not a police state? Our two-part series starts today. Plus, mental illness in prisons, Canadian Arctic surveillance, and how your porn is watching you. I'm Nina Sudra, and welcome to the very first Daily Vice. A year ago, some 41's Derek Wibley poured himself a drink and then collapsed in his kitchen. After spending a week in an induced coma, he realized his party days were officially over. 
Moisey met up with the Sum 41 frontman to talk about addiction, recovery, and his second shot at life. If you've always wanted to eat pad thai and hang with farm animals, Alpaca View Restaurant has you covered. The Bangkok restaurant lets you eat authentic Thai food amongst free-roaming alpacas. We're back tomorrow with part two. Shane and Justin talk pot. Let's get to the fun stuff. Pot. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, Canada right now has the number one rate of teen underage use of marijuana in the world. I just love that clip. Okay, pot. Go. <laughs> Shane Smith. Shane Smith. Oh. Shane Smith interviewing Justin Trudeau where Trudeau stays completely on message track, delivering his talking points. What is the vice added value? Why? The, oh, it's a vice interview with Justin Trudeau. There's a question about pot at the end. Shane Smith in his interview with Barack Obama, Obama stayed on message track throughout. What was the vice added value? Question about pot at the end of the interview. And, and Obama, like just, you know, he, he owned it. He goes, well, I think that young people in, in America have more important things to worry about. And that was it. Thank you, vice, for your input. If, if, if he were to go back in time and score an interview with Hitler, I, I'm looking for the pot question. <laughs> We're going to finally figure out where That's the Fuhrer hard. stands yeah, yeah, on marijuana. That's hard. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm singling out Shane Smith, and he's a bit of a clown, and I don't mean to shit on the fact like, Vice has been hiring up a ton of talented people. Vice has big money, $100 million, I think just 50, Roger's money. I think that probably Vice's 50 is mostly in-kind services. But they've got all, they're, they're spending money on journalism. They're hiring a lot of people I know, and they're putting out a daily newscast. That's a good thing, right? Full disclosure to everybody out there who's listening right now. I am one of the journalists who Vice has given a little bit of money to recently. I've started writing for them. I've actually even filmed, I don't know if it's going to get used, but I've filmed one of these uh, um, you know, little intros to a news story that I actually recently wrote for Vice All right. about police carding. Um, so thank you very much, Vice Canada. Awesome <laughs> job with that. <laughs> I, I watched this uh, kind of intro news thing. I think what's interesting about it is that it's on an app, right? And so you have kind of quick access to the stories that they talk about right after you watch this in the case that they might be interesting to you. We can talk about the specifics of that Justin Trudeau interview, which is, uh, you know, they released part one of it today. It's pretty short. It's pretty fluffy. It doesn't give us any new information about Trudeau and his uh, views on uh, Bill C-51, which is what they talked about in part one. But I do think that the overall concept of launching this kind of, here's an intro to your news today, here's a story you can get more about, here's the reporter telling you a little bit about the story that they wrote, I think that that's an interesting idea. I, I don't think that there's necessarily... Um... You don't have to have a value add. Like Vice doesn't have to add something that other news organizations aren't. It's just a matter of marketing to their demographic. So what you tend to find among Vice's – I mean I'm just going to go off of general assumptions here. I can't statistically prove anything that I'm about to say. But I'm just going to assume that people who read Vice, like myself, may not necessarily have the most informed points of view. It's We just – open up the news and scroll through stuff that we saw on Reddit or on Facebook or elsewhere, or we just, you know, maybe read a couple of news sites, skim the news, and then carry on with our day. So being able to have an interview with Justin Trudeau, I think, adds value in the sense that if I were to not watch an interview on CTV or not not uh, see something on the National Post, maybe I would have caught it on Vice, and now I've got a primer, some sort of an intro uh, to what Justin Trudeau's points of view are on Bill C-51 and pot. We can do better than that, though. Can't we? I mean, like looking at this thing, this is this is a lot of people are excited that that they have. This is what Vice has, okay. Besides the fact that they have a monopoly on the youth market, nobody else is even trying to sell news to the youth market. They're making money. 
they're the only game in town that's actually making money. And so there's a lot of excitement and and uh, optimism about what they're doing. But I have to say, and you only got some of it listening to that those excerpts, those audio excerpts, watching the actual newscast, it looks a lot like a newscast. It sounds a lot like a newscast. It has the awesome <laughs> drums that I come in at the beginning, and I like that. <laughs> it's it's it, 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 the template. There's a big lead story. What's the lead story? It's the same lead story as the rest of the news. It was about Mike Duffy, the, the Duffy trial. Okay, what else are you going to lead with? Okay, and then we get a mix of, uh, of news. There's a bit of a progressive uh, bent to it, though it's interesting to me and a bit curious that there's this story about mental health in prisons. Great topic in Chicago. Where's the Canadian story I on that? I was just about to say that. There's so much information out there and there are so many people who are willing to talk about um you know pris- police and prisons being our essential frontline uh for mental health wor- or frontline mental health workers but wh- why did we have to go to chicago to hear that story but then we quickly move on to the usual mix of, of fluffy alpacas eating food and like <laughs> the lead singer of some for- like the vice that i knew and sometimes loved and sometimes loathed back in montreal would be cheering on the demise of the lead singer of, of some 41. I'm sorry, but it's, they don't care about this human interest story about his, his fight with alcoholism, you know? And, and so it's this, it's the same as everybody else. It's like, that's the thing that kills me is it's the same as everybody else with one distinction that, I, and you, you brought up the app before with one pivotal distinction. It's exclusive to Fido subscribers. That's what it's being marketed at is apparently, yeah. That's it's just, free that's for the, the month uh, of April. And then if you want this Vice Daily Newscast, you it's a, it's a bundled, like I'll take call waiting and a, a data package and news. And that's what that's what the new hip news is. Here's the thing. I'm not, I, I don't pretend to understand this because I don't, I barely use my phone for making calls. Ask people who've been trying to call me. Um, but I don't use apps of any kind on my phone. I, I downloaded the Twitter app and sometimes use it. Yeah, from, but from... dog, your phone is old. Don't say anything. <laughs> I know where you're going. Yeah, I carry... Desmond still uses a BlackBerry. I carry this brick, and I'm proud of it, okay. all right? So all I'm saying is that the younger generation of people might be a lot more into getting information a lot more this way than I do. I can't say for sure. You it's can't for... say for sure, but give me an educated guess, and, and tell me something, because this is important. Yeah. Does the younger generation, by your estimation, by your best guess want to watch a traditional newscast, albeit in a five-minute form. And it's true, when the anchor throws to the correspondents, they're not just standing and talking, they're walking and talking. That That is true. I don't know <laughs> if they have to pay Rick Mercer a royalty or what, but there is that distinction. I think it's all a fraud, man. I, I know that young people watch Vice videos and, and consume Vice content. I don't think any anybody's going to watch this thing. Are Fido subscribers going to watch their five-minute daily Vice newscast, or is this a sop to advertisers who are really big on video right now? Is what's going on? I think it's a great question, and I honestly, I I don't I don't use it this way, so I wouldn't. So let me put it that way. So if, if the market is me, who gets their news that way? Nobody gets. That. Well, keep this in mind. Be- then, well, keep in mind that a lot of pe- young people don't even have televisions right now. A lot of people consume their news and pretty much all other forms of either you know entertainment and information on their laptops or on their. Phones Why are we talking so about young on? people? That's how I consume my news. Is I, I I read articles and I watch videos that pop up through my social networks. I don't like. Oh, as a Fido subscriber, I have access to this wonderful five minute truncated little digest uh, that that is you know it's got music that appeals to my demographic. No way. This thing is like it's, it's an advertiser Fido's product. It's not it's not the savior of news. Okay, I, I mean what, that I don't really have a huge problem with. I guess what I do have a problem with though is so you got Justin Trudeau for a sit down and you're asking him about about Bill C51 and then your question is well, can this, you know, this has put us in danger of forming a police state and his answer is no. And you got no follow up after that. Yeah. That's the part that really bothers me because 
I, I think with all of the uh, the storm and drang, with, with all of the noise we were hearing about Bell C-51, I don't know that I, I could say that anyone's done a, an adequate enough job of breaking down exactly what is wrong with this bill and how it affects us personally. And I think he had an opportunity to do that as somebody who, you know, is not afraid to ask tough questions or at least purports himself to not be afraid to ask tough questions. He's not smart enough. Well, he's not. He, he didn't. Does Shane Smith care about pending Canadian legislation? What did he have on his fingertips as a journalist would those tough questions? Listen, there's a reason why Barack Obama gives an interview device. There's a reason why. I mean, I have people who are very close to Trudeau saying, "Hey, I, I enjoy the show." I go, "Great, can I get Trudeau on?" No. There's a reason why Vice did get that interview, and it's because Vice is safe. Vice has become safe. I think that that is a really interesting argument. That was a safe interview. Now, we've only seen the first part of it, right? But that first part of the interview that we saw was tame, tame, tame. They don't put put Trudeau Trudeau out there if he's going to get burned. Shane Smith makes Trudeau look smart. That's why he was there. Well, look, I I tried to ask Justin Trudeau some questions after he gave that big speech um, about a month ago now on liberty and about the importance of not sacrificing our liberty to the government. He talked a lot about how the government is treating Muslim people. Uh, As press, we were told that Justin Trudeau wouldn't be taking any more questions after he gave his speech. I decided that I was going to stand in line with the folks getting ready for a selfie, and then I asked him my question anyway. And no one else in my profession decided to do that that way. So let's find, let's look at that interview with Vice and say that it wasn't really in-depth and hard-hitting. But then let's look at the media who are right in front of the man's face for these special events and do as they're told and don't ask any questions when the man's standing right in front of them. We are all complicit in what's going on right now. If I had any hesitation or any reservation about the choice that I made for who who, who should be hosting this politics show, it's gone now. That's excellent. We're putting in the the, the request, guys, with Harper. (laughs) (laughs) Mulk care. Trudeau, we're going to get you some interviews. We're going to get this thing going. I, I couldn't be more thrilled. I know we're, we're, we're supposedly the hyping promo part of the show is done, but I'm, I'm excited. I, for all one, I'm looking forward to my sit down with Harper. I would like to be able to ask him some questions. Yeah, it's never going to happen, but we're going to try for it. <laughs> Canada Land Commons, everybody listen up. That was your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read them all. I respond when I can. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. Desmond, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Desmond Cole. Andre? You can find me on Twitter at Andre Demise. The website is canadalandshow.com and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. I make this show with Andrew Norton and the next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday. If you like this show, Support it. You can't see it, but I'm fist bumping Andre right now. Wow. That's... <laughs> there was a small explosion in the sound room just it now. It did happen. Yeah. <laughs> I can attest to it.